Alright, ladies and gents, welcome to Andy Podcast. And um, before we get started, I want to say thanks to everyone that's been supporting Season 1 all the way through Season 6. And by the time you guys hear this episode, this will be actually the first episode for Season 7, Episode 1. And um, Season 7, Episode 1, yes. And you know, I've been living in San Diego for about, I would say, 12, 13 years. And I thought that I've seen every venue <laughs> that this city has to offer as a hip-hop artist getting a chance uh, to play different cities around town and um, this venue right here was introduced to me was introduced to me by my good friend Mike and the gentleman that I have for today's show has been really has really been a pioneer in the fitness industry um, he's been he's been doing it for so long and um, He's a he's an advocate for holistic healing and uh, for fitness and just being in good health, and he's also the owner of this wonderful multi-purpose venue in in the city of Hamul, which is I would consider this the East County of San Diego, and it's a multi-purpose venue, and it's we're, we're trying to figure out ways and uh, and how to uh, make the, make these events pop off. And not only that, he is also the founder of a couple nonprofit organizations, and one of them is called Good Vibes Pool, and the other one's called Sage Sanctuaries. And not only he is in the fitness industry as a tr- as a personal trainer, he's also an inventor. And recently, he has this invention called the Squat Master. And um, we're gonna get in- we're gonna get into the story. And ladies and gents, without no further ado, oh, let me add, for all my '90s kids. He was also an American gladiator back in the 90s, and that really had me excited. So ladies and gents, without further ado, we got Mr. Bernie Miller in the house. What up, Bern? Hey, hey, hey. what's going on? For the record, it's, it was an American gladiator contender. <laughs> I was the one that fought the gladiators. That's uh, pretty that awesome. That live stuff. tour that year was pretty awesome because uh, it started at the beginning of the year in 92. Yeah. And it started out with a live tour. And I was one of 1,200 athletes who, tr- who tried out for that. And I ended up winning the live tour. And my score was good enough to get me to the television show wow. later that summer. So, the summer of 92. Yes. yes. Wow. Where I ended up breaking the record in Powerball. Mm. And also uh, getting to the semifinal round, I was actually seated number one. But then, you know, Powerball was my, you know, that was my go-to thing, you know, to do. I loved it. Of course, the Gladiators, they didn't want, that was their go-to thing. So it ended up with a showdown and a semifinal round where I actually got injured. And I had to withdraw from the competition. You're the um, man, Bernie. But yeah, well, you know, things happen, and then we move on. <laughs> and Bernie said it to me when I first met him a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago. He was so nonchalant about it, and I was like, what? Um, but yeah, man, Bernie, I like to take it back to day one with all my guests. I ask all my guests, where were you born and raised? Yeah, Cleveland, Ohio. Born in Cleveland, Ohio. Went up to Bennington, Vermont in the 60s. Right, but you were born and in Cleveland, Ohio. Born in Cleveland, Ohio. Did I say Cleveland, Vermont? <laughs> yeah, there you go. So Cleveland, and then you yeah. moved to Vermont. Went, bur- yeah, uh, moved to Vermont. My oh. father was a mechanical engineer in Union Carbide, so uh, he moved around uh, developing uh, the manufacturing facilities. So uh, that were uh, his was the battery division, wow. Ener- Energizer Everator batteries. As a matter of fact, yeah, I ended up. Uh, actually building those batteries uh, while I was in college there for a season two as well. Yeah. Um, but yes, lived in uh, Bennington, Vermont, and there, H- you know, basically we lived off the land. I was two years old, two to about eight, 
eight and a half years old. Yeah, Vermont. And we moved then to North Carolina, and I went to uh, high school and college in North Carolina. Wow. What do you remember about, do you remember much about Cleveland? I know you were young. I remember uh, I was uh, two years old. It was that Christmas. And, of course, we did go to a Cleveland Indian game uh, back in those days. My parents loved baseball, uh, and I was a baseball player, too, as well, probably because my parents loved it. You played baseball? In college, in high school, and, you know, Bantam League all the way up through, you know, all, all the way up through. And so I, I literally, you know, grew up playing baseball. And I, one of my first games I remember, you know, when you're one and a half years old, you don't remember a whole lot, if anything. But I remember a flashback sitting up on the, in the left field bleachers, uh, looking from on down to the, I'm sorry, the right field line, looking down at uh, the game you know, home plate and first base and, and looking up. And then bleachers, though. And all, I was the youngest of the uh, uh, three kids. Yeah, so. two siblings. Uh, yeah, so, I, so I, I can flash back and remember that as a one-and-a-half-year-old. What do you remember about Vermont? Vermont was... From two to eight. Vermont was literally living off the land. I mean, we grew vegetables and about that life. Yeah, we had. I had that early on, and uh, and and so for me, knowing where food came from um, at an early age has helped me out all through my life. As a matter of fact, as far as nutrition and and that sort of thing, keep the body healthy. But early on, yeah. You think it was mom or dad's decision to live off the land, on the land? Who, who, who you think call, whose call that was? Like we're gonna live here and yeah. we're gonna raise the kids this way. You know, in the in the fifties mm-hmm. and sixties, mm-hmm. you know, there was there wasn't fast food. You know, That's there crazy. was there was only you know there was only um, organic, really organic, because pesticides that sort of thing and commercial growing was hadn't. Remember, the population from 1950 to, to now is more than doubled. Facts. So so there Different there are things that back then you know we could feed the population. Small growing and micro farming and that sort of thing was happening. We had an acre and we literally froze all of our vegetables and and ate them all winter long because Vermont gets. A, they get it gets cold up there. Vermont. It snows a lot, Hell and yeah. so we literally had lived. We literally lived off the land, and then of course, you know, for for meat, you know, a lot of people are vegetarians these days, which will work just fine. But you know, back then, you know, somebody would come by with a deer, and my father would skin it Fuck. and clean it, and we'd have meat all winter along with this. We literally lived off the land. so living very very healthy from early on um, helps. Who even influenced your dad to live like that? Who, oh, who, where did he get that? Yeah. Well, my dad was from Montgomery, Alabama, and uh, one of uh, five kids, I believe. And you know, that's that's post um, uh, depression, post depression days, and uh, so everybody was very at that time was very frugal about um, food I'm and good. about living. Yes, about basic necessities of life, uh, water and food, basically, and shelter. You know, and, and that's what was happening back then. What even prompted your parents to move from Cleveland to Vermont? What what even made My father was transferred oh, with his right. company, Union Carbide, yeah. And then from there, what made you guys move from Vermont to North Carolina? He was transferred. Again. He started out there. Yeah. They, they have two uh, battery facilities at the time. Uh, and he had worked on one, and then he worked, came back to work on the other one. 
and that's what he was a mechanical engineer and he just in college it was this electro record that he literally invented that i actually manufactured actually uh operated that machine in and ele- racking these electrodes which is part of uh the battery um, if if you will you have carbon you have electrode in the middle and then it's charged and that's and that's how you have a battery so <laughs> in case anybody needed to know <laughs> So you were eight when you moved to North Carolina. What's your first thoughts in North Carolina? What was your first impression moving to the city? Um, Where in North Carolina again? Asheboro. Asheboro. What was your first thoughts of Asheboro? First thoughts of Asheboro. I remember it well. Our house wasn't finished. Uh, They were building a brand new house, 1968. And it wasn't finished. So we literally lived out of the Sir Robert Motel for three months. And so my first thoughts were living in a hotel for three months waiting for the house to be done, finished, yeah. So it was a pretty exciting time moving in uh, to a house. Uh, I think my parents paid $36,000 maybe for that house back in 1968. <laughs> and we moved in in October and then uh, we, started, uh, we started school and that sort of thing. How old were you when you first picked up a baseball or a bat? Started oh, with I was four years, three, four years old. Um, you entered junior high years. You were playing junior high? Uh, yeah, played junior high, uh, baseball. But I was younger than the rest uh, because my birthday was in November, end of November, and I started school when I was five. Most kids wait a year and then start school when you're six. So I was the youngest kid. You know, I graduated high school at 17, you know. And, yeah, and, and so uh, being younger and being kind of underdeveloped, um, at an earlier age uh, was a disadvantage for me. I wish I would have waited a year to compete with uh, kids that were my age as opposed to a year older than me. So, yeah, that was a, that was a bit of a disadvantage. You, what do you remember about the community uh, of Asheboro? How does the community of Asheboro affect you to this day or, or did it? On how you see the world, how you see business, how you see fitness. I can tell you some things, mm. and if you want to hear them, I'll tell you, and I'm sure your audience wants to hear them. The pod, but this, the this, is only, is this is only for a positive uh, outcome, not for a negative. I don't want to dwell on the negatives and what happened to me or what gave me that drive or to do what I've done in my lifetime. But no doubt. what I'm about to share with you was something that, that really hit me, hit me hard. As I was younger in this town of Ashboro, that was only about 20,000 people, um, I, I was not treated very well, even, even at church or even at school, because it was a very small town considered, considering. Um, and I don't think the population has even gotten even that much higher, however. But it was a, it was a, it's a very religious town, and it's a very, uh, back then, it was a very prejudiced town. Um, and so uh, I, uh, I was uh, picked on and, um, and, and hurt, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, um, from everybody within the school. I, I haven't even been back to that school. This is Back ju- to that town since I left that town. Really? This is your junior uh, high years or elementary? Or this was the like sen- when- yeah no since sen- I since I got there in '68, I was I was uh, treated uh, you know very poorly, um, even in elementary school, elementary school all the way through high school, and then I went to college in uh, in North Carolina and I graduated after college 
Um, I wanted to leave, and I've, I've never been back to high school. I've never been back to Asheboro, period, because of those uh, negative uh, uh, connotations uh, that um, that I have felt for. And this is, you know, we're talking 40 years later. That's why I am such an advocate for for no bullying. Okay, you know, everybody is created equal. You know, Amen. treat everybody with respect. Amen. Absolutely, and all the time. And that's how you get respect. That's back. how you, you get give it. You absolutely. Give it. You give it first. You give respect. You treat people with respect, and you get respect. You give it first. You know? And you know? and you know, I could have, I could have gone maybe a different way yep. with that. I I maybe could have. It's like pain of the And I could, I could have. I could have. Mm-hmm. And as a child, I was. You know, I mean, I know my parents did the best they could, but they believed in physical punishment. And and that to me developed frustration and aggression through frustration because I couldn't express myself. And so when my daughter was born, I said to myself, I would never ever hit my daughter and make her feel the same shit that I felt back then. I'm telling you, and I never did. And I always had the time, I always had the time to Talk. I never told my daughter no, but I always doesn't mean that she got everything. It meant that we would have the time to communicate with one another. And you parent her. That's you, right. That you parent her. That is absolutely that, right. That rigid. Absolutely you know. right. That's why I'm such an advocate for education. I'm such an advocate for community outreach, for helping one another, because we have to help one another in our communities. If we're going to succeed as a community, are we going to have positive vibes as a community? We have to help one another. Amen. Absolutely. And ladies and gents, I want to add, when I first met Bernie, I was going through some, I was going through my own personal turmoil that uh, couple weeks leading up to that. When I met Bernie and his partner and the, and the whole wonderful staff here, I gotta be honest, it, it lifted up my spirits and I left feeling good. Um, I left feeling, feeling happier than when I first came. And I never forget the promoters who treated me like shit, but most of all, I don't, I don't forget the promoters that who treated me good and treated me right. And a lot of my podcast interviews, I do it through the phone because everything's out of town. And even when it's in town, I do it through the phone. But there was something about Bernie's energy and the energy in this in this uh, venue, in this ranch. I had to do this in person because that's what Bernie does. He's a, he's a passionate person. And um, yeah, there's something special about Bernie. And, I, you know, uh, I respect him a lot. So, Bernie, do you think baseball was a sanctuary for you and, or an outlet to release some aggression? Do you think baseball was an outlet to kind of release some of that, express some of that? How did you view baseball back then? Well, I love baseball. Baseball is a, is, a, is an awesome sport um, to play. Um, I have a hard time watching it all the time, you know. It's a bit slow for me to watch, you, watch I, you know. But Are you a Padres fan? I love the Padres, man. I love good good baseball. I, I, I love... All sports. I'm an athlete. I try yeah. every. I'm a pole vaulter. I'm an avid pole vaulter now. Uh, I pole vaulted in high school one year. I didn't make the varsity team. I didn't want to play JV, so I pole vaulted. I pole vaulted in junior high because they didn't have a baseball team. So I just ran track in the spring. So I, I you know, I played the football and I and I played the, did the pole vault. I did then the spring track. I did the baseball because I, you know that sort of thing. So I've done a lot of sports. 
um, and I'm an athlete, and I love sports, and I love competition. Um, I think it's a way that we all can gain confidence. Whether your sport is, you know, you want to climb our mountain up here? That's your sport. That's you can come up and climb a mountain and, and, and feel confident that you did that and build confidence. That's what sports should do. Friendly competition should be uplifting, not demeanoring or, or being negative in any way toward anybody. With your difficulties growing up in North Carolina and some of the torment that people gave you, did you think baseball gave you a sense of identity? Did it make you feel like, you know what, this is my identity, this is what I'm good at, and this is what I'm going to do, you know? Like, did it make you feel, I know you had some rough moments there, but was baseball maybe a highlight living out there? Like, oh, yeah, baseball is a great highlight. Yeah. College baseball was was awesome. Hell yeah. I, I, if, if I'd have had um, a little bit more confidence, um, and, and I'll tell you, this, you want to breed a good athlete, you have to give your athlete confidence at an early age, which means that what we were talking about, communication with your child. Oh, yeah. You, you want to be a good athlete. And good athletes don't necessarily make it to the pros. Those athletes who make it to the pros, they have that dedication. And not all of those make it, but they've dedicated themselves with, I mean, we're talking about on and off the field because there's, you know, Everything you eat, everything you think, as your parent, you have to bring your child up with confidence and with positive reinforcement. This gives, because in baseball, okay, getting back to baseball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and this is the key thing, yeah. is that at the plate, yeah. it gives you that confidence because it's 90% mm. mental mm. and 10% ability. Mm-hmm. And so, being, here. yes, it's and all alert. Absolutely. Not well, so much the knowing that you're going to hit that baseball mm. when it comes back. When that's what gives you and all the practice and all of this is very good. Yes. However, when you step up at that plate, it's when time. you're a Bryce Harper and you step up <coughs> to that plate, you know. You're going to fucking... Exactly. You're knowing you're going to hit. Mark. And that guy's an amazing hitter. And believe me, he doesn't hit 500. Nobody in the major leagues hits 500 for average. Nobody in the major leagues... The last time, what was it? Ted Williams hit over 400. You know? Tony Gwynn was almost there and then had the strike year. So that didn't count. But he hit, what, 394? And everybody else... I mean, that's, that's one in three. Okay? One in two and a half times up at bat you actually get a hit yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> so bernie you graduate high school in your mind what was the plan that you were going to do were you like i'm getting out of here and play baseball that's my plan or looking back what, what was going on in your head as a 17 year old i graduated high school and i went to fort lauderdale to play baseball in what college uh no i was summer it was the summer of uh 78 and I and I went down there to Fort Lauderdale Baseball School, and baseball I played school. down there. Yeah, yeah. And then in the fall, I went to Chowan College, wow. uh, up in Murfreesboro, North Carolina. It was a two-year school, but I did not play baseball there. I did not make the team. Yeah. And then the next year, I went to High Point College, and I made the team there. And I played three years in varsity as a starter there. But 
And what was your major when you went to the to the next college to, to play three years? I started out as a pre-ministerial student, mm. studied ministry, mm. felt I had the calling, but then after one year at Chowan, I realized that that I could help more by being non-denominational or unaffiliated. Mm. I could have, I could, so that's how I kind of backed away from the religion at that point. Mm. And then went to High Point College where I studied psychology, sociology, I ended up with a major in sociology, but psychology, sociology, philosophy. So you graduated from High Point College. What was the plan then in your, in your head? What was, what was the next step? Go West, young man. Go West. Go yeah. West. Well, it was a recession happening in 80, right? Reagan, Reagan was, uh, it was a recession going on. Um, Jimmy Carter was president. Ronald Reagan won in 1980. And in 1982, it was still, and in North Carolina, there wasn't, there wasn't much work at all. Really? To get, yeah. But I graduated, and uh, I just started pumping iron after I realized that I really wasn't going to go pro. Uh, I just started pumping iron, man. And I, and I was like, look, man, I want to be an athlete. I want to be in shape. And I was 160 pounds coming out of college, and I worked out. I mean, I'm talking two days a week, I, I don't, six days a week, two body muscle groups, heavy weight, trying to gain weight. I was 160 pounds. In November, I was 160 pounds, right? And I, but I was, you know, I was a little stronger, but I was like, oh my God, I just can't, I just somehow or another, you know, I just can't get to that maturity level yet. And uh, my bench press was like, for 225, I could do one time. You know, well, this guy came to me and he says, he says, man, he goes, he goes, if you'd like, I could get you a little steroid and you could take that, you know, because back in the early 80s, late 70s, man, when steroids were running rampant, I mean, I seen guys taking, you know, shots of testosterone, double because to a guy who's getting big, weight, lifting weights, it was, if I can take one shot a week and do this, I can take two shots a week and take a little bit of these edibles and I could do that, you know, even more. So I saw a lot of that going on. However, I said, I'm going to do it as prescribed. I've been working my ass off all year long. I put the time in. What if I did this Winstrol as prescribed for 30 days, what would be the outcome? And you want to know what the outcome was? I gained from 160 to 175. My bench press went from one time, 225, to a dozen times at 225 pounds. So in, in one month, I couldn't believe it. I gained it. And that was it. That's awesome. It was it. And to this day, I'm exactly the same. Well, I'm a little lighter today because I'm, I'm leaning out now. I don't need to have all that bulk. No doubt. I'm, yeah. So, Bernie, 1978, you, you're done with High Point, and, and uh, in your mind, I'm thinking, I'm going to head out to the West. Uh, what year did you move out here to SD? 1983. Wow. How, how old were you in 83 when you came out here? I was 22. Young. Yeah. yeah. So, what? Yeah. why San Diego? It could have been L.A., it could have been Orange County. What, what made We had you... a friend that moved out here to San Diego, <laughs> and we came out here because we had connections. Yeah. We had contacts. Yeah, you know, we weren't gonna be living out of the car or whatever, you know. So when he first got here, like, yo, you gotta get your ass here. Let's go. Well, he came out, and then my friend, I didn't know anything about it, but you know, I was looking to get out of North Carolina anyway, out of Asheboro, and I just didn't wanna, I didn't wanna be there. I had a lot of, uh, you know, uh, bad feelings um, for that area and for that town. So I wanted, just wanted to get out of there. 
And so, uh, and, and that was the main reason. And also, too, that the opportunity to come west, I heard people talk about it. You know, in the early 80s, it's not like communication now where you, you know, you can live stream <laughs> anywhere in the world and pick it up from satellite. Back then, you still had to rely on photographs yeah, and, and, you know, the Phone major call. news. I mean, cable was just coming in. That's time. crazy. Dude. Just coming in cable. And now cable's on its way out. <laughs> I've lived through the whole cable. <laughs> the cable frontier. Damn. Here and gone. So you're... So, so Bernie, you're 22. You move out to ask to San Diego. Where in San Diego? Where? Imperial Beach, California. <laughs> I mean, uh, Let's I mean, go. Man, let me tell you. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. And I love to surf, too. And that was no good. I, I tell you what, the first time I paddled out is in, in South Pier, Imperial Beach. It was in, in March because we got there in March, March 18th, 1983. And, and I paddled out, and I got swept down to Tijuana, man. Let me tell you something. I'm, I was, <laughs> you think surfing's easy? Okay. And I'm an athlete, all right? I'm an athlete, top athlete. Yeah, coming man. out of, Yo, coming out of, Bernie will North kick Carolina. your ass. Bernie will fuck you up. I, no, I'm not. <laughs> He's we being can, humble. I can, I can uh, jump the anaconda, okay? It's a 13-pound jump rope, kind of invented in 95, but for, uh, I've been jumping that rope for a long time, and I've never been beat in 60 seconds jumping that rope. But Imperial Beach was the first town back here, and it was a lot of fun, I gotta tell you. Now, when I was young. Brittany, before you did the fitness training, what was the transition like? Like when you first moved out here, it was like, yo, I'm gonna be a fitness training right away, or did you have some odd jobs? Like, like what was the job plan as soon as you got here? The job plan was to find something because I was willing to work and there were jobs. So whatever it was, I could do anything, you know. When you grow up, um, <laughs> delivering papers, washing dishes, working at a, you know, ice cream shop, waiting on customers, um, going to college, you know, doing construction. You know, I already done 10 or 12 trades at that time. This is just working, you know. When you're poor and you're willing to work, okay, there's got to be work there for you to do. There's got to be. And that's and I'm a big advocate for that. But coming out here knowing I could get a job, but I I saw a job for Jack LaLanne's European Health Spas. And I went and I got a job as a fitness trainer. Because I trained back in 1979. I started training people it's just, it's at just, Body Forum, yeah. Out no, there in the east. In the east. Yeah, and we're pointing to the east. <laughs> yeah, it's over there. Uh, high point, I had got a job at Body Forum. Jeb Robbins was the owner, and I guess he liked me for some reason. He says, okay, if you, when you come in here to work out, if you train people, I'll let you come in here and work out. You train people. You, you help people, because I can see you know what you're doing. Because I started working out when I was 10 years old, trying to, get, trying to keep from getting my ass beat. Okay, in 1970, I got a, a Sears and Robar weight set, 110 pounds. It had two dumbbell bars and you could lock them and interchange them or whatever. I got that because I thought that, because I, I saw Jack LaLanne in 1966 do his workout, you know, on one of the major networks. He only got three channels back then, right? And he was on and he was doing his workout. I was motivated from that. And then in 1983, I actually got to work at his health club for $3.35 an hour. Wow. Yeah, back then. And you know, when I was talking to Bernie uh, a couple weeks ago, it, it dawned on me, Bernie had made a good point. Bernie was like, 
yo, I've seen the fitness, I've seen the fitness industry go through its changes and phases of aerobics, and and like Brittany was telling me, he was there for all the changes. So, describe being a fitness trainer in the '80s. What was the challenges? What was what was the difficulties? What was good about it? In, in, in the field. If you were a gym owner, okay, it was great because you could get 60 people in aerobics. Jane Fonda, God bless you, honey. You just, you came out with a fad, all right, aerobics, a fad that got people into a gym in one area, jumping up and down for 60 minutes. It was um, it was amazing. Gym owners loved it because they sell that membership and get that membership in, and that was it. You know, because it transferred. The '70s was all about pumping iron. Yeah, and it wasn't high high rep workouts came when aerobics came mm-hmm. because guys and people that wanted to still work out with weights and lift weights and that sort of thing modified their programs from the 70s and even in the mid 80s is when I started doing the 15 minute total body workout I would go in and I would and the, what got me to do that was in 1983 when I worked at Jack LaLanne's in Chula Vista we ended up having no free weights at all it was all machines and I had already done part so what I could do is I could put the, all the whole stack on it and I could do it 30 times and I was thinking to myself wow why? And because I don't want, I wanted a model, and I was big. I was big at that time, and I wanted to reduce down, get more defined, if you will. And so I started doing this high rep workout. So then my workouts would take less time to do the workout. So I thought to myself, after training people in the '80s, bringing them this heavy-duty workout, which I could make some huge results in 30 days. But then those next 30 days, or the next time after, they would never show up because. They didn't want to be there to get that. It's torture, man. Nobody wants that crap. So I said to myself, well, what if I did a workout that was only 15 minutes? What if I did a one set high rep 30 weight? Come on. What are we? Are we going to be an athlete? Are we just trying to get through life? Are we trying to maintain our health, lean muscle mass, our, 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 our physique, if you will, our alignment, and then go on with our lives. Because we're not, come on, we just want to do something for maintenance. So one set per muscle. And that's when I started thinking of the 1980s and the 90s going into the next decade, which you were, they were talking a lot about nutrition and zone diet in the 90s, about balanced diet and that sort of thing. And that's how balanced training started coming in. And that kind of flowed into the next decade. How, how would you describe 2000 to 2010? How, how, how were those years like for you as a trainer? Yeah, as a trainer. That was, that was my biggest, you know, I, I did personal training and home training. And, and I had a lot of clients. Uh, I charged them a lot less because I charged them by the month and not by the appointment. So that locked in their time slot and it locked in the time slot for me too as well. So I knew I was going to be compensated. So I trained, I, I changed the whole training. Because a lot of people train uh, by the hour. And a lot of people cancel right at the last minute, and they think that they still have that, 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 that appointment still. So <laughs> this is all the things that, that happened to a trainer, by the way. So in your mindset, you're like, so I had a lot of people that I trained with uh, on, a, on a weekly basis. Wow. And through the 2000s, and, uh, 
and it was really good. It was good. It helped it helped me to. Uh, I had another. I had a couple of products I manufactured from 2000 2010. The the Total Body 2000 2001 workout bench. It was the first folding lead incline decline dumbbell bench, and I did it with my 15 minute Total Body workout I did in 1998. I didn't sell too many of them. You know what I really need to do? I need to put that online so people could just look at it and download it or whatever if sure. they want to do it because. Because that workout, the 15-minute total body workout, now we're doing a decade later. I'm like, look, give me one minute, man. Just give me one minute. That's all you need. Give me one minute. 60 seconds a day on the Squat Master gives you everything you need. Oh, by the way, since it's only one minute, you might want to do another minute. Okay, give me two minutes. Give me five minutes three times a week. That's wow. awesome. So, how would you describe the last 10 years, uh, 2010 to the 2020s? What was the, how was the fitness industry evolving yeah. these last 10 years? Um, how do you think? In-home, more in-home. In I mean, home. it blasted in the 90s, in-home workout. It really took off. Which one um, do you prefer, in-home or in the, at a gym? Which one do you like? I, I prefer you are your workout. You could be in an elevator getting a workout. You can do your, you can, you can do a workout anywhere. It doesn't have to be in home. It doesn't have to be at a gym. I always say, hey, if you want to go to the gym and ride the rides, okay, because that's what I call them. They're just rides. Come on, you get on it and you're just riding it along like the, like the, you know, the pec deck. <laughs> You know, you pick the lap pull down. Oh, yeah, we're just riding along, man. The quad extension, you know, leg press, the hip and back. You know, all that stuff is really good. Shoulder press, bicep curl. They're all great rides to get on, <laughs> you know. But you don't need those rides every day. You can do your own alignment. Alignment is super important. People don't realize this. Because when your body's in line, you're feeling fine. And that is the key to life. Because nobody wants pain. When you start feeling pain, then you're like, oh man, my pain, you know, my, oh, my knee hurts, or my, my back, oh, I threw my back out, I did something. You know, that, that is when we, we, we pay attention, is when we start feeling pain. So we want not to feel pain, and the best way to feel pain or not feel pain is through our alignment. And so if we can do a few things every single day to be in alignment okay? and the most easiest way is that squat master machine that thing i'm telling you let's talk about the squat master machine yeah. when did you um create this machine you know it's been a long time in creation i first thought of this product in 2002 mm. because i was couldn't get my clients to squat correctly mm. so all i would do is i would i would hold their hands and we'd squat back together and so I, that's when I first thought about it. I'm going, I'm not going to be here for everybody for the rest of my life. You know, I, how are they going to squat correctly? So I came up with this product <laughs> called, called the Perfect Squat. And, uh, and I, I got a call from, uh, this, the, from the perfect people, right? Because they had perfect push-up, perfect pull-up, perfect. So they call me up and they say, Okay, we, we, we saw that you got perfect squat, perfect, uh, yeah, perfect squat tra uh, trademark. 
And I and you can't have that. I'm like, well, the USPTO, you know, they granted me. All right, <laughs> they granted me this. You know, so what do you mean? You're well, you got it. You can rescind that, or B, we can sue you. And I go, well. Go ahead and sue me because I haven't assigned it to my corporation yet. It's just me. I'll come right in there. As soon as you sue me, I'll come in there and I'll tell the judge that it's not my beef. It's the USPTO. They got to go to them. Uh, anyway, I came up with Squad Master instead. And so we started doing, so we named it Squat Master and we got that trademark and a couple of patents on that product, which is really nice. And we're getting it out there. Um, you know, I did my manufacturing. I, we, we've got units in there. We've done everything we're doing. But the wellness center came into play. And the wellness center has taken a lot of my time. And I haven't really been able to get that product out there. But with Carolyn on board, she is an amazing individual. And I, I love her to death. Uh, I really do. She's uh, what this... Just what this wellness scene needed, and we're we're uh, sage sanctuaries and good vibes are going to be merging, and together we're going to tackle this amazing feat of of marketing this squad master and also the wellness center because. I always had a dream to do a wellness center. I always had. Back in the '80s, I called it a fat farm, but since then, since time. And society has changed. What we need to be healthy today is a lot different than what it was in the 80s. Amen. And so it's not a fat farm. It's, it's a wellness center because we need to mentally be well, spiritually Facts. be well, and physically. Emotionally. And emotionally, yes, be well. And that's why... Mentally. That's why we want our artists to come out here because I feel like the artists will heal this planet. They will. Artists will heal this planet. We need to give our artists. Can I say it one more time? We need to give our artists more credit because, because they are the ones that can heal this planet. Amen. They are the ones, whether whatever it is, our artists will heal this planet and this is why I fuck with Bernie he's an advocate for the artist and he believes in the uh, in the artist's purpose and um let me ask you this Bernie like what inspired you guys to make Sage Sanctuary let's talk about Sage Sanctuary first what inspired you guys to create that and what's the main purpose for Sage Sanctuaries for all those tuning in yes uh, holistic methods of reducing pain is our thesis uh, it's generalized um, but we're talking about getting away from the opiates. We're talking about getting away from synthetic drugs and getting back to the plant life. Because as you know, I grew up eating plants. My greenhouses have plants. You know, we eat, you know, as much as we can off the land. And I think that I, I want to teach micro gardening as well, because I think people should have no matter what your space is. I think you can eat and eat herbs, you know, oregano and thyme and sage and dill and, and you know, have all this growing. Basil and cilantro. Cilantro is an amazing. Uh, you know, I love Mexican food, mm -hmm. man, because for years they have not gotten away from their indigenous yes. 
heritage. Yes, yes, yes. Still that's, in their food, in their it's passion. Still there yep, it's still right there. And that's what I love lot. about the Mexican food because it's healing and cleansing as well. And cilantro is amazing. Now, for Good Vibes Pool, what would you say, like, um, the mission statement for Good Vibes Pool? Oh, yeah. Good Vibes Worldwide. Mm. Yeah, that's what it is. And that's simple. And Carolyn, she will tell you. Yeah, I got to interview uh, Carolyn. Yeah, she, she will tell you a lot more about that because her vision, her vision is, you know, really in alignment with mine. And that's why we're merging because... You know, her vision has always been to help others. I mean, her nickname is Care Bear. I mean, she's Care Bear, and I have a company, a marketing company, uh, called Wilder Than Bears. <laughs> so Care Bear meets Wilder Than Bears, and you know, so we're uh, so we're we're building this wonderful venue and uh, wellness center um, with our nonprofits, and and we're hoping to um, create. You know, a, a facility or a space where people can come and get alignment and get back to neutral. I, I love it. Recharge man. their batteries, man. Yo, San, I know what it's like out there. San Diego, y'all really got to check out this venue. We have a Halloween show coming up, and it's also a camping ground for all those who want to go. It's 25 bucks. You get to camp for the night. Um, for $15, you get to go in, and they'll also the food comes with that. There's going to be um, musicians all night, hip-hop acts, acoustic rock, um, Shasta Audio Martyr, and, and all the acts that will be here on October 29th. Um, what's your thoughts on the music scene in San Diego? What's your thoughts on the independent artist scene out here? Uh, do you think it's supported enough? Do you think we're still under the radar, San Diego, a little bit? Like, what's your take on it's, the music scene? It's coming on. Going on, man. Film and acting and everything is moving on. this way. There's a lot you know, of things going um, on. Yes. Uh, there's a lot of things coming south. And, yes. yes. And uh, and we're holding our own. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think the music scene are, is amazing. There's a lot of amazing artists. Amen. And we want a lot of amazing artists out here to study. Uh, we I want this to be an artist venue. I want, I want people painting. We got canvas paints. Yes. We got canvas. We've got you know a tree, oak, amazing oak trees around. We have everything, and we I need people, artists out here can come and 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 enjoy the space, regardless of whether musicians or or, or painters, any one of them come out and enjoy the space, and, and that's what we're all about out here. And I think it's coming along. I think San Diego yeah. is. Hell yes, coming along. I think, I think there's a lot of great artists in San Diego. Amen. And, and all genres, all genres. Absolutely, too. absolutely. I love the drum circle they do down in OB. Mm. You know, we're there for the farmer's market every Wednesday night. Oh, you guys go? Yeah, yeah, go, we go out go. there and, and, and represent at the farmer's market. Nice. And uh, yeah, but we get to see What's you going know, on? a lot. Yeah, yeah. We get to, uh, we barter some cilantro for a couple of slices uh, of pizza at uh, yeah at Fat Boys. You know they use our cilantro that we grow out of the garden, so that's cool. That's awesome, man. Um, United States of America, the country in general, these, especially these last two years, burn uh, ever since the COVID pandemic started. We've taken a lot of hits. We've taken a lot of hits as far as the death toll, social injustice, racism. Uh, the politicians that we got in the office how can sage sanctuaries and good vibes pool 
contribute to the society, especially with what's going on in America. Because this is needed more than ever. All the advocates for mental health need to come together. We need this shit, man. I put everything I had from the Spooner. Um, uh, I, I sold my interest in the Spooners. The Spooner board is a product that we did very well with. started that in 2012 so we were started to do really good uh in 2012 and so in 2015 um bought the farm basically <laughs> the farm and started investing the money into the infrastructure to get this get this property ready to go and in 2020 covid hits and it just because you know i'm i'm on a i'm on a budget right to get this thing ready i need to get some sort of revenues in 2020 covid hits and it's i'm still reeling from covid as a small business and let me tell you about entrepreneurs yes okay entrepreneurs okay nobody backs them okay there's nobody backing an entrepreneur i mean come on you're putting all your time and all your energy in you believe in something with your whole heart and you're willing to live out of a warehouse and let your credit go to hell because you believe in a product. Yeah, and you gotta ignore people's comments, you gotta ignore people's opinions, you gotta... Which comes to another thing that I wanna say. You gotta be so focused on your dreams. That do what matter. you want. Life is too damn short. It is. Too short. Too short. Look, man, I thought it was yesterday when I was 20 and I'm 60, all right? And just because I'm 60 doesn't mean I'm old. That means that I got 40 years of experience. Left. Right. So take care of yourself. Mm. That's all I got to say about fitness. Mm. Take care of yourself because when you get to 60, you want to be doing what I'm doing. And that's enjoying the 40 years of experience that I've had. I paid my dues. I worked hard. And now that you're 60, you want to be in shape so you can enjoy it. Absolutely enjoy it. What do you remember about being 38? Where were you in life at 38? What were you doing at 38? Oh, I was in the middle of just training a bunch of people at 38. Grinding. It was 1998. Grinding. Okay? Grinding. And, 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 you know, cell phones were in, it had some computers, and the internet was shoddy at best. Um, and, uh, you know, oh, don't forget, the millennium. The millennium was... <laughs> the. The electronic grid's gonna shut down because it went to 2000 and nobody prepared for it. Like the world's gonna stop because of this. So this was like a big thing. Yeah, it was a big fear going around, right. you know? In 1998, I was 38 years old. I, I was, uh, I'd uh, done American Gladiators and wow. been a trainer and I had, had already produced that and it wasn't going anywhere. I had nothing, come on. I still had nothing. I was saying to myself, you know, I'm not even, you know, I was drinking a little bit. I was a little overweight. When I was 38, I said to myself, you gonna fold up? I go, no, you stop drinking. You're 186 pounds. You need to be down to 175 and you got to get your act together. You know, I was training a bunch of people, but I, 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 I was down on myself. I was down on myself because I was almost 40 years old and, and I hadn't achieved you know, whatever it was that we all set out to achieve, right? And I'm here to say, I'm here to say, whatever it takes, however long it takes you to get to your dream, take it. Do it. Do it. Run after that. Take it. Man. Take it. Hey, and then you know what? 
And, and it's okay to be down on yourself for a day. It's all right. Come on. Everybody loves a good pity party. It goes well with beer. Okay? <laughs> Shot of tequila. You know. You know? It, I'm telling you. Sometimes you need it. Sometimes you need it. You know what? I love you, friends. And your friends will let you be there for 24 hours. <laughs> and then they're going to jerk you up. Man, your friends. And the ones that jerk you up are the ones that you're a friend. They are your friends. They're the ones. Understand and be a friend. Okay? But... Don't let your don't let your friend go down that road. You know, you got to get back up. You know, and I had a lot of positive support. I had a lot of clients who were behind me, 100%, because they were entrepreneurs too. And so it was a whole big entrepreneur, you know, thing <laughs> going on. And, and for all my indie artists listening, guess what? You're an entrepreneur too. Yeah, with no you are. with no real major label backing. You marketing yeah. yourself, promoting right. yourself, booking your own shows, yep. your own radio interviews, blog sites. You, you're yeah. a, you're an entrepreneur, and the work doesn't stop. Yep. And you're an, and you're a manufacturer. You're a manufacturer of your own music, mm. and you own that. You produce your own music. You, you produce own the it. You manure it. You absolutely. You, guess what? You paid for your own studio you time. Advertise that it. shit is yours. That's right. You paid for the studio time. You paid for the beat. You paid for the album That's cover. Right. It's yours. Um, That's right. Let me ask you this, Brittany. Like, this is one of the most powerful interviews I've had, and it got it got real a while ago. Um, let me ask you something, man. What has fatherhood taught you in your life? Yeah. What's or what is it still teaching you? It's an opportunity to share your life, your love, your experience, your influence on a person that's coming up in a world. That dreamer, yeah. Eight-year-olds have only been on the planet eight years. Right. All right. You've been on the planet a lot longer. Yeah. You know, more, way more. Mm-hmm. You know, in some cases, it's only a decade or two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's what we're here for. Amen. That's what we're here for. So, I. Carolyn's got an eight-year-old. Yeah. She's here this weekend. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Her daughter. Okay has a daughter, two years old, she's here. So, you know, I really, really love for children to come out, experience what it is at Sweetwater Ranch, experience Sage Sanctuaries. Yes. Uh, but most importantly, enjoy life and parents enjoy your kids and i know things are tough with gas being six dollars a gallon especially in california i mean give me a break okay i don't even want to talk yeah man that's fucked and we're going to be voting pretty soon but you know what regardless of what happens what does not change community and family does not change and it doesn't have to be immediate family as well it's your neighborhood it's your community we have to embrace our area. Yes. Wherever we are, we need to embrace our area and come together as people. You know, we are our own government for the most part. There's people trying to tell us things, but we can create our own. Yes. Just by doing what we do is and that's basically loving one another, man. Let's just 
when you, you know, you're opening the door for people when they're coming out of the grocery store, you know? You're genuinely... Just walk the old lady across the street. Yeah, exactly. Help just helping bags. out with cannon. There's well, evidence of that. And there, well, there's people that, that, you know, you see it all, time to time on Twitter or you see it on the news or whatever. You know, I try to get as much social media or media as I can now because it's all on the internet. It's all coming at you. So I try to get as much as I can. But you do see, you don't see enough, but there's more than what you think. Amen. People don't hate one another for the most part. Yeah. People love one another. And in our communities, we can reinforce that. There's a lot of love in San Diego, man. There's a lot of love in, in East County. You know, and I just think that the United States is healing and growing and, and yeah. it's changing right before our eyes yeah. every year. Um, what are your short-term goals for the rest of 2022, Brittany? Short-term girls is to uh, build this build this wellness center. We're here for the rest of the year. Um, you know, uh, I love to say it, but Care Bears is here now, and I was looking for somebody that could really help. Um, I need somebody that to really help. You know, uh, put this thing together. It's hard for one man to do it. Yeah, Caroline, and, Mike, and I have yeah. been brainstorming together. Uh, we, we created the event bright ticket link for the for the Halloween show coming up, and we got some people coming. Um, and there's a lot of EDM DJs that have been sending this way that's looking for a concert concert venue. Um, that's awesome. If you guys see this, I can you guys can we can show this better. We can explain it. There's about four different stages here. Um, and Michael was also talking to me about the possibility of throwing plays, theater plays here, and writing our own plays. We have a 20 by 40 stage. Mm -hmm. We're sitting on it. There's a hiking trail also in front of us. And yeah, I'm really excited for-, uh, for To the top of the mountain. It's mm -hmm. a thousand feet elevation. We own a, a couple hundred acres out here. And it's not just me. I mean, you mentioned me being the owner. Look, I, I, I don't want to own anything. I just want to have access, you know? <laughs> but the thing is, is that I've got partners and, 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 and we're out here and I'm like the spokesperson. So we're up here trying to make a difference. We all believe in the same things that we just talked about. And we have a mountain and you can come to the mountain and climb the mountain. I think I mentioned it before, but we can climb, them, climb the mountain Gain confidence, see an awesome sunset. On clear days, you can see Catalina Island right down oh, there, man. That's, it's not clear today, but right there, it's there, I'm telling you. So <laughs> sick. Yeah, and then at night, the way the sound vibrates through this uh, through this uh, space, it's it's pretty cool. Um, and we throw we threw a bonfire here last time. It was really fun, man. Um, Bernie, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate you and. Um, Looking forward to working with you guys more. Uh, ladies and gents, this is Andy, Podca Andy Podcast. Any other shout-outs or announcements, Bernie, before we end? Just have a great day. Just make it a great day, man. Let's, let's effing go. That's what Caroline says. <laughs> Care Brothers, let's effing go. <laughs> Shouts to Caroline. Shouts to Sage Sanctuaries, Good Vibes Pool. And everybody tuning in, we love y'all. Andy Podcast has been the classic episode. Peace.